Welcome to Scrappy ABM, your source for groundbreaking approaches that don't break the bank. ABM shouldn't cost 200K in tech to even get started. So if you want to get started with ABM or make your program even better without investing a massive amount of money, you're in the right place. Each week, we'll hear from the brightest minds in the marketing world who are redefining ABM, achieving incredible results with untraditional methods, limited resources, and a whole lot of creativity. This isn't a show about how much money you can spend on fancy tech or overhyped tools. Instead, it's about celebrating creative problem solving and the scrappiness it takes to get ABM right. We'll dive into how these marketing leaders built robust ABM strategies with limited resources, revealing the actionable insights that led to their biggest wins. So if you're a marketer ready to challenge the status quo and build a scalable, efficient, effective marketing strategy, Scrappy ABM is the show for you. So if you're ready to discover ABM strategies that are lean, impactful, and utterly transformative, let's dive into this episode. So what we're going to do today is going to be a little bit uh, different. So at a high level, uh, we've got a TLDR. So that if you're wondering, okay, why should I even stick around? Uh, then we're going to actually dive into some of the practical and tactical execution uh, things around a 30, 60, 90 of building a demand gen program. And then we're going to have maybe a little bit of time at the end for some Q&A. Uh, I will go ahead and throw this out. We've got a ton to cover. So if you are interested in anything specifically, I'll pull up a slide and then you can drop in the comments uh, what you want to dive into more specifically. So with that, uh, TLDR, what, what are we going to talk about today? How you can get to a point where you're building content in a demand engine that is delivering weekly blogs, podcasts, uh, monthly live streams that you can then actually start to create some dark social content across numerous thought leaders um, really every single day. Then moving into some ABM light programs and actually how do you start to build out a sustainable and effective referral program. Then we're going to talk through how you can clarify your messaging, your positioning, and your niche, then working through the overall thought leadership strategy. It's a lot that you can do in 90 days, and I want to give you a little insider scoop. These are the things that I've been working on for the past 90-ish days uh, with Sales Assembly. So I started my role at Sales Assembly on February 27th. Uh, so we're coming up on that 90 day mark. And these are the things that we've been able to accomplish in that time. So what that actually results in is marketing source and influence pipeline and revenue. And I will clarify that not necessarily in the first 90 days, but it sets that foundation for actually building demand that can be captured. You do get a sales team that actually loves our marketing counterparts. Uh, I have yet to find a seller that doesn't enjoy a program like this because of the quality pipeline that it delivers and highly effective scale. So as a single individual, as a marketer, uh, I was able to generate 3.29 million in marketing sourced pipeline that converted into 1.68 million of marketing sourced revenue. Now, if we go back to the top, uh, ended up being 2.5 million in a two year time frame because uh, there was a little bit of a time where I was working in an agency and actually stepped into a seller seat and got to personally uh, see the impact as a seller on how much more quickly pipeline closes when you've got a great marketing program. So I've actually seen it from both sides in the past two years. Uh, this resulted in an 8X ROI, zero on ad spend, no intent data, just content, a CRM, marketing automation, and some scrappy ideas. So the high level, and again, if you've got anything that you wanna dive into specifically, go ahead and drop that in the comments. But essentially in your first 30 days, you're gonna to try to accomplish four big things. So one is the learn, audit, and fix. You're going to look at how do you actually identify your total relevant market. Then you're going to move into positioning and messaging. And then lastly, actually setting up some of the long-term strategy around how do we start to get our team members out there and start to establish a POV within the market. So that's going to be accomplished through a niche podcast tour. 
I think that's an area that we're going to dive into pretty in depth. From there, we're going to actually work through how do we build a referral program and a champion program. And those two things are different. And we'll dive into the nuances there. Then we're going to want to be sure that within the first 60 days, we've launched our first live stream show. So again, from this perspective, we want to start to get content in market. We want to start to actually have live engagement with our ideal audience within the first 60 days. And then we're going to work through a thought leadership content matrix so that as you have a variety of thought leaders, they can align what they are talking about back to the higher level message of the brand. Then that last 90 days or that last 30 days in the 90 day stretch, we're going to actually be able to start executing a multi-channel content strategy. We will start building scalable systems and processes. We'll have some ABM light plays that we can run and we'll have a smart CTA strategy. Now, there's a lot that we're going to cover today, so I'm going to keep it fairly high level, but there's also a lot of text. So on these slides, if you want these slides, my goal is that, yes, it's high level, but it is actionable, that you can take these slides, that you can actually pull up a slide and actually start to implement and execute some of these things. Additionally, if you do want to take a little bit of a deeper dive, uh, I actually just did two podcast episodes. One was on a podcast called Driving Efficient Growth, where I dove really deep into that messaging positioning front. And the other one's called distribution first, where I talk through specifically that content matrix and how we're actually using some AI to help speed up our content processes. So if you want a deeper dive after the session, go check out those podcasts. All right. I've talked a lot. So let me go ahead and introduce myself real quick. My name is Mason Cosby. Uh, I'm a nurse husband, which means my wife actually literally saves lives and eyeballs. And I just get to talk about fun marketing all day. Uh, I'm assumed to be father. So I'm expecting my first in August. Incredibly excited about that. Uh, what brings me here today is that I'm the director of demand gen for sales assembly. I'm also a GTM ambassador for GTM partners, which is a new up and coming incredible analyst firm, uh, brand ambassador for guru events, which creates incredible content just like this. And then last time the host of marketing ladder, which is a podcast focused on how to build a marketing career. So let's go ahead and dive into again, the learn and audit. So within the first 30 days, again, what you want to take time to understand is what's already been done. So again, I think we get so wrapped up in the new ideas, the new strategies that we don't actually take time to reflect and look back and do some actual auditing to figure out, okay, we have this library of content. Is any of this content worth saving? Is any of this content worth repurposing? You know, have we run ad campaigns in the past? Were those effective? Like what's been done so we can then use those insights to inform a strategy moving forward. From there, you also want to look at what's in process. Yes, there may be some things that we need to kill, but honestly, if there's something that's already in process, if there's a better idea, you know, that's, you have to do a cost benefit analysis to say, is it worth the sunk cost of what we've already put into this project to stop it and to not let it come to fruition, to start something new, or in, in most cases, what I've found is that it is better to get that project finished and move on to the next thing. So you need to understand what's currently going on. You also want to look at the priority list that is essential for long-term success, especially as you are looking at this learn and audit stage and actually taking this step back. I can almost guarantee that there have been just a number of things that have been sitting on a priority list. And you really need to assess what, is, what are these things? Can these long-term priorities maybe inform our strategy? Or are there things that were thrown onto a list a while back that honestly need to just get taken off the list. So what, what's on the list in the first place? And then lastly, when you actually take this step back to do this learn and audit phase, a fresh set of eyes and a new set of eyes can actually help to clearly identify some low hanging fruit. I hate that phrase, but it is, I think, the most common way to say low effort, high impact. So again, that's the first thing that I would recommend. And essentially, 
what you're doing is you're saying, why are we doing what we're doing and how to make all this better? Uh, the way that you're going to do that is you're going to look at your goals and performance. You're going to look at sales alignment, brand message and content inventory, the conversion points uh, across the entire funnel. So again, how are we actually having people even discover us? Once they've discovered us, what's that next step that ends up leading into a sales conversation? Again, I'm not saying we need to gate content to create conversion points, but there are micro conversions across every buying journey. So what are those points and how do we optimize some of those conversion points? And then lastly, just understanding what does our website look like and what technology do we have available to use? So we're going to look at our total relevant market. And this is a newer concept. This was actually popularized in Sangram's book, Move, uh, that came out about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. And they've, they've got a ton of great information on how to identify this market. But for you, I think we are all experiencing budget cuts. I was at an event yesterday uh, with a ton of sales leaders. And when we asked the room, who is crushing their revenue targets in a room of 150 CROs and VPs of sales, one person raised their hand. Right now, budgets are being scrutinized. And the way in which you cut through the noise and the way in which you actually drive revenue growth is by focusing on a very specific market. I love this phrase that the riches are in the niches. So again, the example that I've also always come back to is you've got one agency that says, I help with marketing. You've got another agency that says, I build seven-figure email marketing programs for subscription-based businesses. They've identified a clear market and they identify the product that they use for that market. And then they've actually wrapped their messaging around that. But you can't do it until you know who your market is. So the ways in which you're going to identify your total relevant market is you're going to start with your total addressable market. So again, total addressable market, it's kind of everywhere that you could sell to. So when I started at Sales Assembly, we were selling to B2B tech, which if I, if I remember correctly, that's roughly 20,000 companies. So that's, we're looking at the firmographics, we're looking at specifically within our firmographics, revenue, location, uh, employee size, industry, anything along those lines. And again, when, if you just type in B2B tech, nothing else, you're getting about 20,000 accounts. It's way too many for us to be focusing on right now. So we, we hone that in to say specifically US is going to be kind of our ICP specific industries that are more honed in than just B2B tech and then specifically specific employee sizes. Um, from there, we then looked to actually hone in further around that ICP. So looking at the technographics. So again, what technologies are they using around the CRM, marketing automation, uh, data enrichment, maybe payment platforms again. I come from primarily selling into B2B tech sales or B2B tech marketing, but those are going to be different across your industries that you're selling into. So for example, healthcare tech, they're probably going to want to understand what is the healthcare administration system that is being used. Is it Epic? Is it, you know, there's a, honestly, my wife has primarily used Epic. So that's the first one that comes to my mind. But from that perspective, if you have a technology that only integrates with Epic, you want to be sure that within your ICP, you're calling that out. The next thing is going to be psychographics and just the overall demographics. If you look at your customer base, you're typically seeing uh, consistency across the ways in which they think. So you want to take that into consideration. And then lastly, identifying priority accounts. So if you have intent data, this is where you could use intent data. I have not had intent data in the past, and I've still been able to identify priority accounts through a couple of different ways. Uh, one would just be existing relationships. So how are you activating your executives pro to proactively build relationships within your total relevant market so that once those relationships start to be established, you can prioritize those accounts to be closed. The next thing would just be any kind of engagement data. 
that you can then use to see these people are engaging with our content. We should activate them. And then lastly, any job changers. And we'll talk more about that in the champion front. I'm going to talk too much here because I want to keep, keep us moving forward. But essentially, for your messaging and your positioning, you want to be sure that you're actually talking about what the customer cares about today. We have had a massive shift in the market in the past six months. And I know that everybody's talked about this. But the reality is, if you're talking about we can help you grow, it is now we can help you grow efficiently. Everyone and their mother is talking about that right now. But have you updated your messaging to actually reflect that message? Because if you haven't, your customers don't know that you can help them do that. So again, the way that we ran through this for sales assembly is we identified what's the problem that people are experiencing. So they had to trim head cut, head count. Sorry, event was yesterday. They had to trim head count. And what they needed to do is then upskill their team members. But when you look at the data, 70% of employees feel they don't have the skills that they need to actually do their jobs. It's a massive problem. So how does that make you feel? It's frustrating when you can't prioritize skill development. And why is it wrong? You should have complete confidence that your team can actually do their jobs. So again, then we showcase how we are the authority that actually helps meet that challenge. Uh, this is a story brand messaging framework. So if you're not familiar with story brand, it's essentially how do we take our marketing messaging and convert that into the hero's journeys to where we make our customer the hero and we become the guide. So dive deeper into that. And if you want an example, check out Sales Assembly. Our new homepage reflects this messaging exactly. All right, and my favorite thing in the first 30 days, niche podcast tour. So again, what you're trying to do is actually get people out in the market and identify what does your company stand for and how do we communicate that at scale? I think podcasting is one of the best ways to do it. Because the other thing is we all know is that SME involvement is critical for content when it comes to demand gen. And I have yet to ever meet a CRO or a RevOps professional that wants to make a blog. But they're really happy to go on podcasts to talk through the things that they're passionate about. So what you can do is actually use this niche podcast tour to capture the original thought leadership that you can use for repurposing. So that becomes kind of the fuel for blog content. It becomes the fuel for any video clips that you want to create. Uh, fuel for social and a newsletter. From there, it also becomes top of funnel awareness because by identifying niche audiences where your customers are already hanging out, if you can then get your audience there, or sorry, you can get your thought leaders there in front of your audience, they then become aware that you exist in the first place. So it's great for top of funnel awareness. And then it also can fuel the initial content for when you eventually launch a podcast yourself. So again, make a list of potential podcasts that you would want your leaders to go on. You can just go on Spotify. And for example, I type in the word sales enablement. There are 19 podcasts specific to sales enablement. So I just now look at those hosts. I find them on LinkedIn and I send them a message through the connection request that says something to the extent of, hey, recently came across your podcast and was wondering if I could propose a guest, parentheses, whoever you want to propose. For me, it's typically our CRO, Matt Green. Here are the qualifications of why he would be a good guest. Are you looking for any guests? I sent this to 80 podcast hosts. Uh, this message, just single message, got 20 appearances booked. So I've got 25% success rate. Uh, I know that I need to get to 300 for it to be statistically significant, but I thought that that would be helpful as you're looking at getting started right now. And looky there, we're already 30 days through in building a demand program. So pat yourself on the back, take a breather. And now we're actually going to start looking at the specific ways in which we can generate pipeline pretty quickly. So the first one is a referral program. Can't tell the number of companies since I started at Sales Assembly that don't have any form of a referral program. And it's a massive miss because of two reasons. One, you have clear champions in your, uh, in your customers that love you. If you look at who has tagged you in the past 30 days on social, they 
probably would be happy to give you a referral. If they're talking about you publicly and talking about how incredible it is to work with you and work uh, really to use your technology. Again, from that perspective, you have people that love you. The other thing is anytime, especially right now, anytime there's a renewal, that is a company saying you have delivered on the promises that you have made. And right now, again, budgets are being scrutinized. So if you have a customer renew with you, that means not only were you a good resource when there was plenty of money, but you deliver so effectively right now that in the hard times when there's not money, when money is very expensive, you are essential for our success. And you're not doing anything with it. So you need to do two things. One, for those people that love you, you need to make a list of champions. We're piloting this right now with our sales team. And we've identified a list of 20 people. And we're saying, hey, we want to partner really, really closely with you and elevate you. So we are giving them speaking opportunities. We're inviting them to events. And we're, we're really elevating those people. And on a quarterly basis, we're asking all 20 of them if they will send us a referral. And from that perspective, you may not get 80, but if we got 40, 40 referrals from champions that love us, that talk publicly about us, that are constantly in our content and at our events and are a trusted resource for your community and for your audience. If we got 40, I'm pretty confident that those would close at least at a 25% rate, which means we've got 10 new deals just for asking 20 people on a quarterly basis. Could be a game changer right now the only note is you want to ensure that the opportunities that you give them to elevate them outweigh the number of asks so again you want to build reciprocity and you want to always give more than you ask so from that perspective you know if you're going to ask for four you want to make sure that you're creating an environment in which you're giving that person five to eight really high value opportunities then on the renewal front you should be asking every customer that renews, unless there's a clear reason not to, like they've got a terrible relationship with you and they're renewing because for any number of reasons, but you should be defaulting to asking your customers for something after they've renewed. That can look like a case study, that can look like a referral, and that could look like a review. And just a sample message is, we have loved working with you. We are so glad that, to know that our pro product solves this problem for you. We're looking to continue to serve more organizations like yours. Do you know anyone else that is struggling with the challenges that we are helping you solve? With this, I actually ran a poll. A lot of people said that they would just like a gift card. But in all reality, when I looked at those that were the actual people that could offer referrals, they wanted thought leadership opportunities. They wanted the opportunity to promote their company, to accelerate their career. So again, the most high value customers that you have, you have opportunities to elevate them. And I will just say this, if all else fails, offer cash. I've had a number of people come to me recently in the past month and invite me into their referral programs. And they're offering me 5% of the initial contract value. And I'm not just going out and seeking referrals, but admittedly, when I have conversations now and somebody brings up a challenge and I know when these company solves, I am far more likely because it's in the back of my mind. I've got a baby coming in August. It'd be great to get a surprise extra two grand to help cover the costs of a baby coming. So again, I know people are like, ah, cash is so kitschy. At the end of the day, I get to use it how I actually need to use it for my family and my current life situation. So if all else fails, just offer some cash. All right, champion program. Your customers are also changing jobs super frequently. The average CRO makes a job transition every 18 to 22 months. So 
you are probably missing this. You're probably missing a customer that makes a transition. And yes, from a CS perspective, we should absolutely be stepping in to help with the retention front. But I don't think that most people are thinking about the fact that you can then follow that champion to their new job and get what uh, my friends over at User Gems, they're incredible. They call the double sale. So again, here's a practical playbook that you can go back and read later, but essentially have your CSMs connecting with their customers, reaching out once an email bounces, you can set up some automation in HubSpot or Salesforce to actually trigger your CSMs like, hey, somebody churned or hey, somebody's email bounced, check them out and figure out why did they leave? And then there's a different playbook. So if they got let go, you can actually offer to help them find a job and you'll place a champion of yours in a potential customer uh, by focusing on in pipeline opportunities or target accounts, or if they ended up getting promoted or not promoted, but if they ended up moving to a new job, then you can have a different playbook. And I've linked to user gems playbooks. That's another thing just to be aware of is when somebody gets a promotion, that's a customer of yours. Just be sure you're actually identifying those and recognizing that, uh, we've, we've done actually a fair bit of expansion just by congratulating customers and they're like, oh, I now own this thing. I want to do more with you guys. So can we have a conversation? So again, from that perspective, just be sure that you're recognizing your champions. If they get a new job, if they get let go, or if they get a promotion, because they're the ones that keep making sure that your company keeps getting renewed. And lastly, this is super simple. Uh, first live stream show. So again, you want to have a monthly recurring zoom or StreamYard or something like this, where you can actually gather people. I would set it as recurring. It makes it easier from a registration perspective. And really the only two critical things here are just to ensure that you can capture good video and audio and that you can actually capture a transcript for reporting. Uh, tools needed will just be things like a ability to create landing pages and something to actually stream. All right, thought leadership matrix. So from this perspective, we've now got our thought leaders going on podcasts. And from, my, from what I've seen over the past 90 days, it typically is actually taking, once we've done the initial outreach, anywhere from about three to five weeks on the early side to actually get a guest on a podcast. A lot of these are taking a few months. So again, that's why I start recommending the niche podcast tour early before we've actually identified the content matrix, because it gives you some time to actually get through your messaging. So again, what you're trying to do is align the overarching executive message down to what is their specific POV within the overarching company message? So here's a prime example. Again, company POV for sales assembly. Companies can't scale because 70% of their employees don't have the skills they need to do, to do their jobs. It's a problem. Specific thought leadership POV, specifically from a CRO. Sales teams can't scale because 55% of sellers lack essential sales skills. Leaders aren't prioritizing proactive skill development because they're spending too much time deal coaching. That is a specific POV. So then it becomes deal coaching versus skill development. What's the right way to approach this as a sales leader? And then what you can do is create five different content pillars. So deal coaching versus skill development is one content pillar. And across those five at the top, you can then create 15 different categories, things like mistakes and myths and controversies, tips, uh, belief shifts, social proof, objections, personal stories, things of that nature. And again, if you had five pillars with 15 different prompts, what you're actually doing is creating 75 pieces of content that can then be shared Monday through Friday for about four months. This takes about two to three hours to get knocked out, but once it's done, it's done. And again, this is one of the ways in which you can actually use ChatGBT, not to write all the content. I, I don't wanna recommend that, 
but maybe taking some transcripts from some of these podcasts and then actually prompting it to say, what's a myth or mistake that people uh, experience when it comes to deal coaching versus skill development? And here's a transcript. Can you turn this transcript around this mistake prompt into a LinkedIn post that is targeting an audience of chief revenue officers in the B2B tech space? Then again, you do that across all these different prompts and you end up getting 75 pieces of content. And the other thing is to start having your leaders proactively connecting with influencers and decision makers within your total relevant market. When I say influencers, I don't mean like a LinkedIn influencer, like a thought leader. I mean like the influencers within the deal um, committee. And this accomplishes two things. You can build that one-to-one -one connection with all your uh, decision makers within your total relevant market. But the other thing is it helps you to proactively build your audience. So yes, I know there's this argument on LinkedIn. Do I create content first or do I connect first? And I, I'm actually in the camp of connecting first because many people get on LinkedIn, they start connecting with old coworkers and people from college. And at the end of the day, those people are probably not going to buy from you. So if you proactively build your audience, then the content will resonate. Quick time check. Man, time went fast. So we've got four minutes. Here's what we're going to do real quick. Send me a message on LinkedIn if you want further details around these last 90 days. But at a high level, you take all of this and you end up creating a podcast, long form YouTube, social content, a resource hub on your website, blog content, uh, and an email newsletter out of a single piece of blog or uh, podcast content. So again, you put all these things together and you end up having a, a strategy that can actually be distributed across five to seven different channels. I dove a lot deeper into this specific topic on that distribution first podcast. So go check that out. As far as scalable processes, I highly recommend you start documenting all of your workflows, understand what can be automated through Zapier, what can actually be streamlined using AI, and then what can be delegated to a less expensive freelancer. I think the greatest crime right now is the hidden cost that people are not recognizing and trying to do it all to save money. But the reality is, I don't want to recommend we all look at our hourly rate, but look at your hourly rate and then actually make a business case to say, I can get a lot more done that's higher value. This freelancer is going to cost 20 bucks an hour. My time is worth 50 bucks an hour, 70 bucks an hour, 100 bucks an hour, whatever that looks like. You can make a business case from that perspective. Then templatize your content. These are ways in which you can do some templates and then create a Google Drive hierarchy. This is really tactical. But what you want to do is have habits where your thought leaders can just favorite or bookmark their Google Drive. They'll upload their video into that. And then based on a Google Drive upload, you can actually trigger Zaps to potentially upload that content into a thing like Descript that then helps with all your video editing. And lastly, building out a lead scoring model within your total relevant market based on content engagement. And this is not lead scoring for the purpose of driving MQL so you can deliver 2000 MQLs on a monthly basis. I'm actually looking at lead scoring with the idea that we would deliver 40, 40 on a monthly basis to our sales team. So that they have highly, highly engaged, highly qualified people and I'm looking at somebody that has been actively engaged every single week for three months before I send it to our sales team, because I want to be sure that if we're doing outbound, that we're doing outbound of the right people. ABM light plays. So again, connecting with your target accounts on LinkedIn, doing invites onto the podcast that you've now built as a way to have one-to-one -one conversations, uh, doing any kind of hyper-personalized content. So if you can run an audit or a report, uh, when I worked in an agency, the best program that we ran was called Fix Your Site from Search to Sale where we did live website reviews. And then I would actually send personalized audits and reports. It took me 40 hours. I did an one every single hour. 
And we would typically convert eight websites out of sending 40. It had a great conversion rate because it was highly personalized one-to-one -one content. And our website program was actually a land and expand approach. So the other thing is around targeting would just be close lost opportunities, job changers like we talked about, uh, doing some expansion plays. So actually looking at what are our customers needing right now, it's easier to get money out of those that are already paying you than to go get net new. Uh, looking at in-pipeline opportunities to maybe do some acceleration plays. And then lastly, doing prospecting based off of engagement. So an example play could be if you wanted to do a direct send, you can send a popcorn tent to any of your closed, lost, or dark, or delayed deals. And include a note that just says something to the extent of just popping in to see how this year is treating you. I'd love to chat. Simple, sweet, fun. Smart CTA strategy. At a highest level, and just to be sure, we are right at time. So perfect. You've now created content that goes through the entire funnel. And a smart CTA is a thing that you can do in HubSpot. So if you have HubSpot, I'm offering this for you. If you don't have HubSpot, you can figure it out. But at a highest level, actually mapping the content, content through the entire funnel. So again, this is what your funnel looks like. And you can have smart CTAs that actually plug all of these things based off of actual interactions. We don't have time for Q&A. So if you have questions, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scrappy ABM. If you enjoyed this week's episode, go ahead and give us a follow so that you don't miss a single episode. We drop every single Monday so that you can start your week off right. And if you're looking for additional great content just like this, go check out scrappyabm.com. We're building a library of frameworks, guides, templates, processes, and tools so you have everything that you need to build a low-budget, high-impact Scrappy program. Again, thank you for listening to this episode of Scrappy ABM. This has been your host, Mason Cosby, and we look forward to seeing you in the next one.